Well, thank you. Jesus does save. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 35. For the last several weeks, we've been talking about the spiritual EKG. And we have looked at several individuals that who have had a heart condition. We've looked at Pharaoh, and the, the Bible said that his heart had become hardened. We looked at Solomon, a man that once served the Lord, but the Bible says that he had what was known as a turning heart. He turned away from the Lord in the latter part of his life. We looked at King Uzziah. Here was a man that uh, God had blessed remarkably and been used in a glorious way. And yet in the latter years of his life, because of his blessings, his heart had become haughty and prideful. Today we're going to talk about of where God began to stir hearts of individuals. And I pray to God that that's exactly what God will do in our church today. That He will be in the midst of stirring hearts to do His will and to do His way. Would you stand with me? As we stand to read verse 21. And what I'm going to do, I'm not going to read the entire uh, verse, but I'm just going to read a certain portion of these verses. Verse 21 says, Then everyone came whose heart was stirred. And then in verse 26 of chapter 35. Here's a caption, and it said, And all the women's whose heart stirred them up. In chapter 36, verse 2, it says, And everyone whose heart stirred him up. That's my prayer. That God would come in our midst and stir our hearts for His glory. Father, thank You so much. For the power of the name of Jesus Christ. We come in His name. And we pray that Your Holy Spirit would anoint us and fill us and use us for the purpose of bringing forth the message that You have before us here today. Lord, we are so grateful that you're a God that does a stirring, that works in our hearts in that special, special way. And Father, we pray that today that our hearts will, re- will be receptive to, for you to do that. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I heard about this story where this pastor had uh, gone into this little restaurant, and uh, there in the little town that he pastored, and he was drinking a cup of coffee. A guy came and sat down beside of him, and he noticed the clerical garb that he had on, 
And he said, um, I recognize that you are a pastor. He said, yes, I am. He said, uh, well, where do you pastor? He said, I pastor the church right across the street, the Methodist church. He said, well, that's the church that I go to. And the pastor says, well, that's strange. He said, um, I've been there five years and I don't recall ever seeing you before. He said, well, pastor, you don't think I'm a fanatic, do you? (laughs) You know, a lot of people think that they're fanatics if they go to church. A lot of people think they're fanatics if if they become men and women of God. But I don't fear that there is a, a real fanaticism among people today. What I believe is that when a man or a woman gets on fire for God, he won't care what God has done in his life. He won't care who knows or what one might think of him at that particular time. Heard about a guy one time, he was filling out a job application and as he was filling out this job application the guy happened to notice he looked rather puzzled when he looked at this one particular uh, item on the application and it stated of person to notify in case of an accident and the guy says do you have a problem with that he says why can't you answer that He said, well, I would answer it this way. Anybody inside. (laughs) I sometimes feel as a pastor, especially in the time of when we're getting ready to elect new officers and new teachers and new workers, that I almost want to tackle anybody inside that would be willing to work. (laughs) Sometimes that we feel like that we have served the Lord through many years, that we can just sort of retire on the Lord. I don't read the word retire anywhere in the Bible. I really don't. Some of your best years are your later years because you have years of experience and wisdom. I want to challenge you today to really consider serving the Lord in capacities that maybe you have never thought about serving before. We have find a tremendous illustration of how God stirred in the hearts of men and women in order to do and to accomplish the work of God. There's three things I want to share with you as we begin focusing upon this passage of Scripture. First of all, the reason for the stirred hearts. The reason for the stirred hearts. Now, you go back to verse 21 that we looked at. It says, then everyone, everyone came whose heart was stirred. Not just a few. But the Bible says, everyone whose heart was stirred. It says in verse 26, and all the women whose heart stirred them. They were stirred. They were compelled. They were moved to do something for the glory of God. And then in verse 2, it says, and everyone of chapter 36, even everyone whose heart stirred him up. 
Now, when you think about that word stirred, what comes to your mind? It comes to my mind a heart that was moved, a heart that was challenged, a heart that was convicted, a heart that was uh, compelled to do something. Now, my friend, as you began to notice that God's work, it takes a lot of people. Paul talks about the body of Christ as a body. And there are many parts to that body. When I think about the body, I think about my physical body. And as I think about my physical body, there are many parts to this physical body. And now each particular part has a particular purpose. And each purpose fulfills a certain function. My fingers cannot do what my arms can do. My fingers cannot do what my feet can do. But all you let a finger not fulfill its purpose, it handicaps the whole body. And so what God does, He begins to recognize that the body of the church are many members and that through those members are to fulfill the purpose of God in that body. Now, I want you to notice as you think about here in this setting of the story that they were commanded to work. Exodus chapter 35 verse 1 says, Then Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said to them, These are the words which the Lord has commanded you to do. So in other words, the purpose of the stirring of the heart was to fulfill the work of God. And as I began to think about that, I began to realize that God has commanded that of me. It's not a choice, but it's a commandment. Exodus chapter 35, verse 10. Listen to this. All who are gifted artisans among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. In both of those verses of Scripture... He has set before us a command. Not a choice, but a command. When you're asked to serve, and you refuse to serve, is it that you're refusing the command of God upon your life? The Bible begins to remind us that every believer has received a calling of God. Every believer has a particular gift. Every believer has a purpose within the body of this church. And so, it's a sad and shame when I began to think about 20% of the people of the church does 80% of the work. That's a tragedy. That's a tremendous tragedy. It has been proven not only in our church, but in churches throughout the land. 20% give their time, their talent, and their tithes to support 80% of the work of the church. 40% does the other remaining 
20%. So that tells me 40% of most congregations never does anything. Never do anything. My friend, I want you to understand, when God called you into the family of God and into the church of God, He called you to fulfill a purpose and to fulfill a job. I read this story or this letter that was given out to a church. And let me read it to you. Our church membership is 1,400. Non-resident members are 75. Balance left to do the work is 1,325. Elderly who have done their share and are refusing to do any more Well, that was 25. Balance left to do the work is 1,300. Sick and shut-ins, that's 25. Balance left to do the work is 1,275. Members who do not give, 350. Christmas and Easter members, 300. Balance left, 625 members to do the work. Members who are overworked, 300. Balance left to do the work, 325. Members with alibis, 200. (laughs) Balance left to do the work, 125. Members that are too busy because they're involved in other things of the world, 123. Balance left, 2. What a tragedy. It's not a tragedy, but it's also a shame that a few do all the work when there's others that have been gifted and been called of God to fulfill that purpose of the purpose of the church. My friend, that's not only a tragedy, it's disobedience. And so I'm reminded of what Paul said to the church of Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. Listen to what he says. Turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. When God saw uh, saved you, my friend, He saved you for the purpose to serve Him. Serve Him with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul. And when you're not, you're not fulfilling the commandments of God. So, number one, they were commanded to do the work, but they were also constrained to do the work. Now, what particularly were they doing, they've been called to do here in this passage of Scripture? God had called Moses to build a tabernacle. And he called the people to come alongside Moses to fulfill Building that tabernacle. He gave Moses the blueprint. And through that blueprint, he showed him and gave him the instructions of how to build this tabernacle. Now, it was impossible for Moses to build that tabernacle by himself. And so, he called the people to come alongside of him. And Moses gathered people up. And the Bible says, God has commanded us to build him a tabernacle, a church. 
And so the Bible reminds us it was what they could do. And they fulfilled what they could do and fulfill what they had been commanded to do. You know what these people had done? They had realized that God had opened up the Red Seas and had delivered them from the bondages of the Egyptians. They had a grateful heart. They were expressing their love to the God that who had saved them from the bondages of that Egyptian heritage. And yet, when God told them to go and to do the work of building this tabernacle, they were ready to go. My friend, when I think about what God has done in my life, I think about that He has taken me from the bondages of sin. He has taken me and delivered me through the Red Sea and through the bread royal blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Washed me and saved me and made me a new creature. Made me a child of God. Made me a child of the King. How can I say no to a God that has done that for me? And so my friend, that's exactly what these people had had felt. And so they were constrained to do the work. So we recognize the reasons for their stirred heart. But what about the revealing of their stirred heart? There was a declaration of their availability. On three separate occasions, the Bible says, as we have already noted, that they were stirred by God. See, they were not coerced. They were not pushed in doing something that they did not want to do. But they had felt the compellingness. They had felt the stirring of God in their life and in their heart to do something for the glory of God. And so therefore, the Bible says in chapter 35, verse 22, both men and women... Both men and women, as many as had a willing heart. It was everybody. When I think about this, I think about Isaiah. I think about when he saw the Lord as he did sitting upon the throne. And you remember what he said? He said, Lord, send me. Send me. When I think about God, the God that sits upon the throne of God. I must say, as Isaiah said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me. I was reading a story one time about the Haystack Monument. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Haystack Monument before. It's in the heart of the Williams College of Williamston, Massachusetts. Back in 1804, there were five men had come together in a prayer meeting. And in that prayer meeting, they were meeting out under the elm tree between the campus and the river. And about that time, a tremendous thunderstorm had come up. They looked for shelter and they had got under 
where the haystacks had leafed over. And they got under those haystacks. And as the thundering was blasting through the sky, and as the lightning was lightning throughout the sky, these men began to talk. And they began to talk about India. They had studied India in geography. And they got to thinking about there are people there that have never heard the gospel. And right there under that haystack, they began to covet with one another and to pray for India and to pray that God would somehow, some way, send someone to India and to share the gospel. And there, right there under that haystack, literally formed what was known later as the first missionary society that had ever came from America to India. There, under that haystack, God stirred their hearts and they made themselves available and God used them in such a dramatic way to send missionaries to Asia and to India. Oh, what a tremendous, tremendous work. The Bible says there in verse 20 in chapter 35 that all the congregation heard God's commandment. They heard what God was doing in their life. Verse 21 says, They came and everyone whose heart stirred him up and everyone whom his spirit made him willing. Made him willing. Open. Lord, here am I. Send me. But you know what our problem is? Is that this time of the year when the nominating committee begins to uh, seek out people to serve in different capacities. You know what their common answer that they receive? Let someone else do it. Let someone else do it. I'm busy in this area. Let someone else do it. Have you ever thought about someone else? He's got to be tired. I heard about this poem about someone else. Listen to this. There's a clever young fellow named someone else. There's nothing that this fellow can't do. He's busy from morning till late at night just substituting for you. When asked to do this or asked to do that, so often you're set to reply, get someone else, Mr. Chairman. He'll do better than I. There's so much to do in our church, so much and the workers are few, and somebody else gets weary and worn just substituting for you. What a, what a tragedy. I heard about the story of Premier Khrushchev back in the Soviet days that he was standing to speak one day and he was before the Supreme Soviet Union. And they were talking about the tragedies that had developed under the Premier 
Stalin at that particular time and how many lives were destroyed. And about that time, as he was getting ready to speak, Khrushchev, somebody handed him a note. And this note said something like this. He says, What were you doing when Stalin was doing all these tragedies? About that time, Khrushchev took that note and he held it up. He said, Who wrote that note? Nobody did say a word. He said, I demand, who wrote that note for you to come up here and see me face to face? Nobody didn't say a word. He said, all right, I'll tell you what I was doing. He said, I was doing exactly what the writer of this note was doing. Exactly nothing. I was afraid to be counted. Oh, my friend, why don't we all stand up and be counted for the Lord Jesus Christ? Lord, here am I. Help me to you be used by the glory of God. Do you not have a desire to be used of God? Do you not have a desire, some of you, that God has called to be Sunday school teachers? And He has gifted you. Some of you, God has called you to be an usher. Some of you, God has called you to sing in the choir. Some of you, God has called you to do something. Won't you stand up and say, Lord, here am I. Send me. But you'll notice there was a a dedication of their abilities. Many made themselves available. The Bible says, but as you continue reading this story, it says that there were great diversity and variety among those different individuals. Listen to what verse 23 says of chapter 35. And every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and red skins of ram and badger skin brought them. But there's a phrase there in that verse of Scripture that I want to remind you. It says, with whom was found. The idea is that every single person brought something. Brought something in order to build this tabernacle. The diversity. I am amazed when I look at our church and I began to see of how God uses individuals in certain capacities. I'm amazed of some of our precious children's teachers in vacation Bible school and in our Sunday school and in our Awanas and in different places like that of how they have such a special gift and they're coming and they're sharing that gift as they know how to share it. The Bible says in chapter 35, verse 24, Everyone who offered an offering of silver or bronze brought the Lord's offering 
and every one with whom was found a kay of wood for any work of the service brought it. Each and every person had a special gift that they brought. The Bible says in verse 25 and verse 26 of chapter 35, it says, And all the women who were gifted, artisans, spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue, purple, and scarlet, and fine linen. And all of the women whose heart stirred with wisdom spun yarn of goat's hair. God is asking us to bring what He has given to us. You say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't have a, a gift. Yes, you do. If you're a child of God, you do have a gift. Amen. Every single child of God has a gift. Right. And what's so marvelous about that is, is that the moment that you were born into the kingdom of God, He placed that gift within, at your disposal. And that gift is now being worked in such a manner, cultivated, to be used in a special, special way. Heard about this traveler one time. He was uh, traveling. He stopped at this restaurant. And he asked for a cup of coffee. She gave him a cup of coffee. He reached over to get a, uh, some sugar, and there was only one pack of sugar. He said, I always uh, uh, put two packs of sugar in my coffee. He said, could you give me some more? She said, the waitress said, I don't have any more. He said, but I always put two packs of sugar in my cup. And then she finally said, Mr. Stir what you got. Well, my friend, that's what you need to do. Do what you can do. Use what you can use. Be who you are. God has placed at your disposal. Maybe you cannot sing. Maybe you cannot play a piano like a Bruce, or maybe you cannot do other things, but there's something that you can do, and God is challenging you. Sort of like one, one guy I heard, he told his girlfriend, he said, I wished I was an octopus. He said, if I was an octopus, I would put eight arms around you and just love you. She stopped him and she said, you know that you're not telling the truth. You're not even using the two that you do have. (laughs) My friend, don't tell me what you want to do for the Lord. Do what you want to do for the Lord. D.L. Moody was preaching a sermon and D.L. Moody had a way that he could uh, crucify the king's English sometime. And this guy came up to D.L. Moody and was criticizing him. And he said, Mr. Moody, you made several grammatical errors in your preaching. Mr. Moody said, well, I'm sure I probably did. But then he stopped and he said, but he said, I'll tell you what, I am using all the grammar that I know for the glory of God. And then he said this, what are you doing with your grammar? And that's a good question. What am I doing with the gifts that God has given to me? One last thing I want you to see. Not only the reasons 
and the revealing of the stirred heart, but also the results of their stirred heart. The people were so stirred that they began to build this tabernacle for the glory of God. They were willing to be used. They were willing to take what they had received of God and to use it in a manner for the glory of God. You'll see that their works were plenteous. You go back to chapter 35, verse 11 through verse 19, and you'll find the description of the tabernacle. And you'll find that they built it according to plan. And you'll notice that the needs were plenteous, but all as you'll notice that they began to bring forth and meeting the needs that was upon them. They were such pieces as the ark, as the mercy seat, the vessels, the candlesticks, the altar, all that was mentioned. And it was talking about even the garments for the priest that they had made. And you see, all that was needed. The work was plenteous. There were great needs. But then you'll notice the needs of the work were proved. Part, this part is so thrilling. I get so excited when I read this passage of Scripture because it says all the needs were met. Can you imagine? You know what that would do to a pastor? It would give him a heart attack. All the needs were met. That there, there's not a position that is open. There is not a need within that body that has not been met. It's because all the people of the church had come together and fulfilled the purpose. Listen to what he says in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 36. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing. Day after day after day, people made themselves available and people fulfilled by using their gifts and their talents to fulfill the purpose of building the tabernacle. But listen to verse 5 and 7, 5, 6 and 7 of chapter 36. And they spoke to Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough. Then you, can you imagine? They brought more than enough. For the service of the work which the Lord had commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment. Now I want you to get this. And they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for their offerings for the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing for the material that that had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. Glory. Wow. Glory. <laughs> yeah. 
I long for the day (laughs) to come up here one Sunday and say, ushers, go ahead and be seated. We don't need to take up another offering. We got more than we can use right now. I long for the day to say to our nominating committee, you don't have to go out and find anybody else because all the positions are filled. Whatever the need is, the need has been met and even more than what we needed. Can you imagine? Why can't it be like that? It happened here. And it can happen here. It was all because God began to work in the hearts of the people. And as He was stirring those hearts, they became eager. They became excited. What's not a a trudgery? Not something I've got to do. But it's something that I want to do. It's something that I've been called to do. It's something that God has compelled me to do. And by His power and His strength, I'm going to do it. All the people. I read about an English businessman. His name was Jeremy Bentham. He lived in London, England. Very wealthy. And he had given millions and millions of dollars to the local hospital. But there was one stipulation. See, he served on the board of that hospital and the stipulation was that he had to be present at all the meetings in order for them to continue to receive those offerings. Well, he died. And the board of directors began to think, well, what in the world are we going to do? We still need those millions of dollars. And so what they did, they took his remains and brought it to the board. And they set his remains on the table. And as the secretary, as she would write her minutes, she would say, Mr. Betham was present, but he was not voting. (laughs) I wonder today, are we present, but not serving? Are we present, but not serving? Now, I believe with all my heart that God wants every single person in this church somehow, some way, somewhere to serve the Lord and to serve His church in a capacity that the needs will be met. Amen. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, How thrilling, how exciting to hear and to see of how the Spirit of God stirred the hearts of these people 
that all their needs were met. And that tabernacle was built. And that as it was built, it proclaimed the glory of God. Lord, today, we are part of the church. We are part of the body of Christ. Help us to be in Isaiah. Lord, here am I. Send me. Use me. Direct me. Stir me. Compel me. Is my prayer today. Lord, there's people here today that possibly does not know You. Have never come to know You as their Lord and Savior. And that's the purpose of the church, is to reach out and to proclaim the gospel. And if we don't fulfill our purpose, Lord, that message goes in a way that on a deaf ear. Oh, use us. Father, I pray that if there's one lost, that they'll give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ today. I pray that there will be people that will come and that will commit themselves and say, Lord, here am I. Use me. There's some here today that you have led to be a part of the fellowship of this church, called to fulfill the purpose of this church. And so, Lord, compel them to come and unite with our church. For your honor and for your will we pray. Amen.